It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think, feel, and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And this week is no exception. Today, we're going to talk about fear and fearless living with a return guest, a real guy's guy, and a terrific metaphysical and spiritual teacher. His name is Guy Finley. He's the author of 46 books on spirituality and uh, kind of self-help, if you will. And this this book that we're going to talk about today that I wanted to focus on because I think fear has been has become so prevalent in our culture on our planet, it, you can't get away from it. So each of us individually needs to learn how to identify and manage our fears. Otherwise, we're going to get consumed by them, and it's not going to be a very pleasant day-to-day existence. That's just the way it is. Hey, we all have fear. I have fear. Guy Finley has fear. We have to learn how to deal with it because otherwise, we're in deep trouble, folks, because People make really bad decisions when they're afraid. You know, the old saying, choose love, not fear. It is so important. And what we do all day, we make choices all day. What we're going to do, what we're going to eat, what we're going to watch, it's always choosing. So you want to choose from a place of love, not fear. Because when you're choosing from a place of fear, you're reacting. It's reacting to outside stimuli. So the fear is external. It's not part of who you are, but we create it in our minds and then we perpetuate it by constantly allowing it to grow and grow. And there's fear for this. And what about this? And what if I do that? And oh, no, I lose all my money. And everybody is consumed with fear. And when we, unfortunately, when we consume a lot of media, which we all do, everybody's got the phone and the device and the iPad and everything going all the time, a lot of what's being blasted at us not on Guys Guys Radio, of course, but in a lot of platforms, on a lot of platforms, there's a lot of fear-mongering going on, whether it's intentional or not, it's coming out, and people are responding to it with fear, and their fear, once again, creates more fear. So today, we're going to talk with Guy Finley about the essential laws of fearless living, how to uh, prepare, how to prepare to identify fear, Prepare to know how to witness fear, but not allow it to consume us. We have to acknowledge it. It's there, but we can't let fear take over because it's happy to do that. And the more power we give it, the more powerful it becomes. So forgive me for the, for the sermon, if you will, but it's so important that every one of us, each one of us gets a handle on, on fear. I deal with it every day. Guy Finley deals with it every day. We all do. So we need to share information about the steps we can take to live a more fearless life. So guys, guys, radio, we're going to welcome Guy Finley, and I can't wait to get started. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, the interview portion of our show, and today we're going to talk about fear. 
Yeah, that's right. Fear, something we all struggle with each and every day. And I have got a return guest. He's an expert in not just fear, but so many different aspects of the human condition. He's my friend Guy Finley, internationally renowned spiritual teacher, best-selling self-help author. He's got over 45 books, founder of the director of Life of Learning Foundation, a nonprofit center for spiritual self-study located in Merlin, Oregon. He also hosts the Foundation's Wisdom School an online self-discovery program for seekers of higher self-knowledge. And his big, big, big book is The Secret of Letting Go. And he's got 45 others and lots of audio programs. And I implore you to check him out because Guy gives so much. And uh, he's really there to help us because he had a very successful career that he walked away from to do the service that he's doing now. And I wanted to have him back on Guys Guys Radio and focus our conversation today, beginning with Fear. Welcome back, Guy Finley. Thank you, Robert. Nice to see you. Nice to hear you again. And before I go forward, because I don't want to forget this at the end, but Guy has got a weekend of wisdom talks in the Pines coming up from the 23rd of June to June 25th. Anything Correct. you want to say about that, Guy? <clears throat> no, we'll, we'll touch on it at the end, uh, other than I do speak three times a week for free, nothing to join, and uh, we'll get a link you at the end of the show on that as well fantastic okay let's just start out with fear then because what are the foundations of fear and does fear have a divine role in our human growth and ascension or is it just something that's there like what is the role of fear what's it all about well it it obviously is a is a multi-dimensional character in our consciousness there is what we would call natural fear uh, I live here in the mountains and every once in a blue moon, I go outside and there's a bear, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and while my wife says that I'm silly because I love all animals and I'm not really afraid of the bear, I have a respect for the bear born out of understanding its capacity to <laughs> obliviate me. <laughs> it, it, it may not it may not look at me through the same loving eyes that I have for it, but I can guarantee you that it isn't threatened by my presence outside of what's natural to a creature. So we have a natural trepidation towards any exterior thing that threatens our survival. All creatures, even amoebas, have this. So, so fear is not something, uh, it's external or is it internal? It is both. The moment that this consciousness, in this instance, say a deer, hears a rustle in the bushes, it is immediately alerted by its nature to a potential threat to its survival. That deer will then prop up its ears will go forward. And if it sees anything that in its natural memory bank, not the individual deer, no individual deer has its own consciousness. It has experiences that help condition its life. But its consciousness is a group consciousness. And that natural consciousness has a natural fear of predation. It's how this deer actually is strengthened by the fear it has of these creatures. Because it learns to run. It uses all of its forces to deal with anything that threatens it. So even at that level, fear serves a purpose for the perfection of nature and her creatures. Even at that level, fear serves a purpose. So good so far? Absolutely. Now, when it comes to you and I, 
There is no natural good purpose for fear. None. Fear exists as we experience it because we have over time and not just in our individual experience as a human being, but as a a creature that is uh, part of a broader collected consciousness, we have been conditioned to believe that who we are depends upon the conditions that we have created, that we have been brought into. So fear for us is a protective mechanism, but not of my existence as a human being, not my survival physically, but the survival of that egoic structure that over time has formulated this very false relationship with conditions. So to summarize that, for us, there is no fear, natural fear, apart from our identification with certain beliefs and opinions that we have been conditioned to identify with. That's the nature of fear, that somehow or other, who I am, who I am and will be can be threatened by a circumstance outside of me. Sheer nonsense. Why does our culture guy propagate fear? Is it for control? Yeah, it's not just our nature, Robert. It is the nature of humanity, some greater or lesser in terms of its expression, in the West particularly, because we are indoctrinated. Actually, we come into a consciousness that is already fully conditioned. We absorb it from our mothers, our fathers, their mothers. The sins of the father, seven generations are visited on the son, it says in scripture. So we're brought into a conditioned consciousness that already believes that who and what I am, my value as a human being is reliant upon, dependent on your opinion of me, the kind of house that I live in, how I am perceived by my peers. And if any of those superstructures that are sub buried in this consciousness are threatened by anything that challenges it, what do you think happens? Suddenly I am afraid, but the I that is afraid is not I. It is a substructure, a system that is under threat because of what it believes life must do and confirm about it before it gets into that moment. Before it gets into that moment. How does uh, how does our culture and uh, the forces that be and the powers that be, if you will, use that fear and manipulate that fear to manipulate us? It's very important that we have a context for everything we're talking about. For me, the context of this is what in the name of God, of the divine, of what is holy, am I doing on this planet? What is the purpose of my life? Almost no one has a clue because everyone has been, everybody has been keyed in from the moment their little eyes open and they look up and see loving mom and dad to absorb everything that their parents and their parents before them and their culture, economically, societally, environmentally, religiously, inculcates them with. And what are, they, what are we inculcated with? That my experience of the moment is no better or worse than the conditions that confirm me as I imagine myself to be. And if the conditions that I am attached to and dependent on for that identity shake, rattle, or roll in the smallest way, 
then now I need to find a way to control the conditions or the people responsible for them. In the pursuit of control, it cements the illusion that that's the truth, that my identity is dependent upon the circumstances into which I enter. Nothing could be further from the truth, but that is what the nature of fear is. It is an identification. You know, the four noble truths. We are born into a world where we're not going to escape suffering. We're not going to escape suffering. Why? Because we are all, without knowing it, attached to and dependent upon beliefs, ideas, and opinions that through our identity, we think we're the same thing as, I believe if you don't like me, I failed. I believe if my political party doesn't win the contest, I'm going to hell in a handbasket. I believe all these things that I take into the moment with me that require the moment unfold as I imagine it must so that I can be who I think I am, safe and secure with no threats. It's just a bunch of malarkey. There's no reality to it. And yet, to answer the question now more succinctly, I am so dependent upon the sensation of myself as these conditions create it that I think I am the sensation of myself. I think I am the sensation of my experience. That is not what I am. But it takes the longest time to realize that by trying to change the conditions and our experience from it till we finally realize this is a fool's game. I can't change the conditions. I can change my relationship to it. That's where fearlessness starts, recognizing the futility of trying to change or control my environment and instead understanding I have a wrong relationship with it predicated on a mistaken understanding of who I am and what the purpose of my existence is. So fear then is an illusion that we continually buy into. So what specifically, let's give me an example of how people can uh, look at a situation where there normally would be fear, not a fear of flight or flight thing, not like a bear's chasing them, but just day-to-day existence where they're afraid of, let's say they're going to run out of money, uh, financial fear, let's say. What what can they do to detach themselves from that fear so they don't succumb to it? And it sounds like the more we identify with it, the more we make it grow, make it worse. Correct. Any fear that you feed is going to consume you in the end because that's where it starts. We are nurturing an unconscious nature without realizing that our resistance to any condition we're afraid of is secretly supplying that consciousness with a strengthened identity. And the stronger the identity, the stronger the dependency, the stronger the dependency, the more fear. It's a very dark circle. I call it the circle of self that we are in without knowing it. So to answer your question is that we're by the grace of God, by the grace of what is divine, we are not <clears throat> created to serve fear. And at some point, I'm just working on some notes, even just before we hooked up, you and I, where it a person has to actually listen to this, lose their fascination with fear. Lose their fascination. How do I lose my fascination? Guy, I'm not fascinated with fear. I hate fear. I don't want it in my life. Let's see if that's true. You be the advocate. Something comes down and suddenly 
Robert, you and I both know it, that, that contraction in the chest yep. sure. based, on, based on a sudden resistance to the condition. Did the condition create the resistance or did I enter into that condition with a demand upon it that when it wasn't met, then I feel like I'm threatened by that circumstance? And the answer is I am conditioned with certain expectations and demands that every time the moment doesn't match what I see is required for my identity to be sustained and sustained, suddenly I'm full of fear. So A, lesson A, the fear is not created by the condition. The condition reveals the consciousness in which the fear lives. The fear does not create the condition. The condition acts on behalf of the divine by grace to reveal a consciousness that is attached and identified with these demands so that it can be that consciousness revealed by the very condition it resists. It's beautiful if one can see it. And, and, and insidious. Go ahead, Guy. Well, so now most of us don't know how deep fear runs. Most of the time, when the phone rings, it's a little bit of a jolt. You look at an email and it's from somebody or something you don't know. You get a letter from the, and the heading is IRS or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that sends a chill down your body, you know. Most of us don't know how seized we are all the time. Triggered, right? Yes, triggered. But the important thing is, is that the condition doesn't, isn't a gun. The condition requires a corresponding feature in our consciousness to be triggered by it. So when we, we finally realize, just as an example, you asked for it. Uh, I have a meeting. Uh, I am required to make a presentation, or maybe I'm not. But I know I have to sit there. And if I want, listen to this, because it's so insidious. If I want to rise up the ladder in the eyes of my peers, I need to go there prepared to smell like a rose. Now, the moment that I prepare to succeed according to the image I have of it, in that moment, I have bred fear. In that same moment, Christ said, you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and despise the other. You can't possibly have an image of what it means to be all that without fearing that you're none of it. They come together. They're a joint team, if you will, a a tag team wrestling <laughs> in this in this sleeping mind, and we're grabbed by it. So one day, let's say Robert's going to have this meeting, or I'm getting ready to uh, to zoom in and have this conversation with Robert. And for grins, let's say I, the hook, the connection doesn't work. That happens all the time. A technological uh, collapse. Please tell me why I get anxious prior to our call if I do. If the technology, what, what is the nature of that fear? And it is fear. They call it FOMO, I think, fear of missing out. What can I be missing out on? The moment hasn't even happened yet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and what I'm missing out on isn't the event that will corroborate, substantiate my identity. What I'm missing out on is what I hoped I would get from that conversation. What I was dreaming would happen as a result of this, these unbelievably eloquent words and all that one wants to be in the eyes of others, that's going to bring me something. So the moment that I look to life to 
enhance me is the same moment in which I am unenhanced. I am, I am corrupted by a consciousness that believes it can add something to it from something outside of it. It is impossible. And as we see that, and we become aware of that fear, because that's the key. Okay. Um, one day, go ahead. one last one. One day, I just don't want to feel that anymore. I don't believe in it. No fear has power over us that it doesn't convince us to believe that we're about to miss something. That something's going to be taken from us. Who you are, who I am, nothing can be added to you and nothing can be taken from you. Now, I'm zipping the lip. No, 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 it's okay. All right, my special guest on Guys Guys Radio, Guy Finley. This is the book we're talking about today, The Essential Laws of Fearless Living, Find the Power to Never Feel Powerless Again. And a lot of things you write about, Guy, are, are about this p- particular topic. Let's talk about you a little bit. What in your life's journey has led you to, uh, you were very successful in the music business. So just for context, could you tell the folks out there who may not be familiar with you why you made the move from the music business into more of a spiritual teacher? And also, why has a lot of your focus been on fear? What happened in your own personal experience with fear to bring you to this? It's hard for us to imagine. But most of us who have any ambition don't recognize that our ambition is not to succeed as imagined, but to somehow escape or change the fear that drives us to want to become something seen as special by others. So I start with this need to be seen as special because it's been cultivated in me as I was growing up. That's what I was taught. You are a successful person when others see you as successful. If people don't see you that way, you're not. Which means I am already dependent upon others to make sure that nothing interferes with my need to be special. Who needs to be special other than something that lives in the endless fear that it is not? So it requires, as it happened to me, understanding that when something happens I don't want, the first guide, the first thing that shows up is, I call it the middleman, the middlewoman, is a thought, a feeling, a reaction, that tells me, here, guy, has what has happened, and here is what you must do. The moment that I start listening to the temptation of a fear telling me how to become fearless, I have fallen into the hands of a consciousness that knows nothing about freedom. And what I have agreed to is to make that fear my God. It is not an exaggeration. What do I turn to to lead me out of my pain, to end my fear? What do I look to? Then we'll say, well, I look to the the icon, the iconic uh, men and women, the Christ, the Buddhas. I look to them. I look to this teaching. I look to this scripture. No, when you look at that icon or that scripture or whatever that belief may be, you are not looking at the source of it. You're looking at an image that your mind has made of it that consoles the fearful self while strengthening the fearful nature because it enhances the idea that somehow or other 
something has to take place outside of me to bring an end to the pain inside of me. We go ahead. So for yourself, when you were big in the music business, was there a, an epiphany or something that said, I've got to make a voice that told me, yeah, yeah. I've got to make this move. And you weren't sure what to do. I know you started studying under, uh, what was the name of the gentleman that you studied under for many years? Uh, well, there were, there were a few, but you're probably thinking of Mr. Howard. Yes. Uh, and that led you to him and it took you a while for things to click in, but how was fear a factor in this journey? Here's uh, you want a personal story. I can tell, I'll give you one. Yes. Back in the, back in the day, (laughs) my partner and I, we were the first white soft rock artists to sign with Motown records, 1971. They signed Rare Earth at the same time. And of course, Rare Earth had the hit right out of the box. Yep. And Tony and I, we were supposed to be like the great white hope, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> and and we weren't paying off. But if things weren't all bad. I was writing with the producer and the writer of all the Four Seasons hits, Bob Gaudio. Most people don't even know any of this stuff. And I was friends with Billy Preston, who worked with the Beatles and was a yeah. genius and a beautiful man. So I wrote a song with... Uh, Bob, that was going to be debuted as a single off of Billy's new album at the Roxy in Hollywood. So I'm at the table with Mr. Gordy and Diana Ross and all the Motown luminaries, Suzanne DePass, wonderful sweet lady that was my man was managing us at the time. She was the vice president, became I don't know what happened. Anyway, there we are, and I everybody's anticipating that this is going to launch right from here, Robert, I swear to God. (laughs) What was the song? I can't remember the name of it. That's (laughs) 40 years ago, man. I'm I'm sitting at the table, and Billy starts to play, and he sat at a a Rhodes piano, electric piano. And there's a microphone that comes up out of the stage that Billy can sing into that, you know, goes up and down. Oh, he starts singing the song, and as he's singing, the bike starts to drop into the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and this was not the this was not the first time that certain things happen. <laughs> it, it builds, and I, as the microphone was sinking, what do you think was sinking in me? There goes my future. Why me? Out of all the moments in the world, why does Billy's <laughs> microphone have to sing? And I started sweating at the table. I swear to God. And then I started looking around to see what Mr. Gordy and everybody else was doing to see if they were casting an ill glance at me. And I, as I sat there, I realized once again, I had been suckered into believing that some event in this world is going to free me of this fear. I didn't sit at that table thinking to myself, I'm hiding a great fear from myself. But the moment the event unfolded the way it did, it was inescapable that my identity was inseparable from that moment. And in that moment, like others like it, I silently vowed this is the last time I give myself away to anything that promises me the security and the power, all the things that we imagine we must have. And by the way, that was almost the last time because it wasn't shortly after that that I parted ways uh, and began with a much more diligent attitude, this work to understand and the last part of this, because you said, what what preempted this? I realized I didn't understand my pain. And I realized that everything I was doing in my life 
was an attempt to mitigate it or somehow gain control over it or win a place in another world where fear couldn't touch me. But any world that fear creates, fear already inhabits. And it doesn't matter where you go outside of yourself seeking to confirm the image of yourself. Fear didn't follow you there. It went with you there because it created that time to come where at last you would be whole. Absolutely brilliant. Guy Finley, my special guest on Guys Guys Radio. And you're, you remind me, I say this with uh, affection, like Socrates in terms of how you explain your kind of <laughs> philosophies <laughs> and uh, teachings, if you will. So while you were on this journey on your own, Guy, realizing that fear is this illusion that really grabs all of us because your story is symbolic of most people's stories in a way the the individual it's our story it's the collective story our story you were on a very special path did you feel like i that you as an individual were selected if you will and i don't mean in like i'm special type of way but like you know like wow i've got to get this i got to teach people what this is all about because i'm learning this and we're all living this illusion and we're all being consumed and driven by fear and on top of it some forces that be that are kind of running the show are using it to dial the fear up and you see it even more and more now so oh, yeah. how was that how, what did that feel like when you were on this path and how did you find kindred spirits who who had the same realization and epiphanies as as you did so that you'd be able to put this propagate your your work it's a great question robert and i would be the consummate liar if i said in those in those moments oh i i get it this lesson is so that i can go forward in time and illuminate others <laughs> there was nothing like it it was the darkest moment of my life over and over and over again as it is for everyone when our world collapses as we've imagined it required for us to be But here's what I did learn. I realized that I did not have what I needed to understand the needs of this fear and how it was to be worked with. So out of that, gradually, because from day one, I mean, when I was six years old, honestly, I think I told you the last time we talked, I started writing about spiritual matters. I just was always interested in that. Don't know why, just was. No credit to Guy under any circumstances, just something that happened when I was born. Now, I started to realize that I'm in the dark. I can't get myself out of the dark. I need what? This is such a beautiful story. I need, in quotes, light. So I start to realize, well, wait a minute. I've been giving myself light for all of these years. I've been following faithfully. Whatever it is that lamp is that I see going before me to make the crooked places straight, but I don't escape the crooked places. Maybe it's not light. And then I realized, wait a minute, the feel is real. But the why is a lie. The feel of fear is real. You can't escape it. It's not an illusion when when the hormones are pumping through your body and your brain is racing trying to resolve the problem. You're just a deer in the headlights at that moment, not knowing you're a human being who should be able to see the situation and use it as opposed to be afraid of it. So this moment began to change things. And I began more serious study because these, I think that took place when I was about 23, 24 years old. Here's what I learned. 
the fear that I feel only exists because, as we've talked about, something in me went into that moment confirming that if the condition wasn't as it was imagined, I would be in terror. And I start to realize that, wait a minute, does that mean every moment that happens like that is bad? Because this is very important. No, wait a minute. Ah, hold on a second. So the worst moments of my life, and you'll validate this, I know you will, that I can look back on. For instance, I was paralyzed uh, my left leg at the age of 17 in a football injury. That was like the worst thing that happened. I was going to play. I had a scholarship to SC to play football, like the end of my life. 230 pounds, you know, big for a kid in those days. Mm -hmm. My life's gone. Now, I can see within two years because of things that took place that the thing that I wished had never happened was the most important thing that could have happened to me. So that the nightmare of the day when you resist the sudden disruption in your plan turns out to be what perfects another order, another plan that you didn't know you were part of. Because who would imagine, please listeners, tell me that you haven't had some shock, some terrible moment that you can look back and see, thank God that happened. Otherwise, I know what would happen to me. Thank God that happened. Now, what if, Robert, talking about fear, what if I was able, using my mind properly, instead of my mind being used improperly by fear and its projection, what if I could begin to shorten the distance between the darkest moment of my life and the fact that there is a light in the darkness the darkness doesn't comprehend? That's Christian scripture. That, that that moment that I don't want is actually there to serve me. This, to me, is the definition of a fearless life is the the growing understanding, the dawning of a new order of light that allows me to see no matter what the moment is, that it has not come to take something from me, but to give me something that in receiving it allows me to let go of some aspect of my consciousness I didn't even know was there, let alone dominating me. Guy, do you think that we are creating our lives as we go along like I like the Toltec kind of expression about, you know, your, the greatest piece of art is the life you live. I, I think that's so spot on. But what is your feeling about, are we creating our lives or are we just a experiencing random events? When these things happen, it's like somebody sideswiped me in San Diego and it's like, this is terrible. Uh, I, I had to go through the whole insurance dance and finger pointing and all of that. And it came right. out of it fine. And you know, my takeaway was be even more careful and more defensive driving because, because there's some people out there who are, are reckless. Nobody got hurt. I was fortunate. But I wonder, is this a lesson for me? Is this a random event? What, how, what is your perspective? How should people think about some of the stuff that happens to us? Is it all, this is part of my you know path or this is random, or I needed to learn this. Is anything happenstance? Is it random? Is it all? What what, what have your teachings taught you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Write this down, listeners. And then like Robert is doing, he's asking questions that he wants to understand. Exactly. He's not. He's not afraid of the question. We're afraid of some of these questions because we don't want to find 
what they may lead us to. You will never be a fearless human being if you're afraid to explore fear, period. Here's the idea. What is in our way is part of the way. Actually is the way. What is in our way is the way. Now, what does that mean? You and I, we talk, I talk too much, maybe. We are brought into this world. We are endowed, made in the image of God, but not God as some fellow sitting on a cloud, made in the image of the, of the local, of the logos, of all of those forces that brought about creations. We are one of the creations brought about by all that is within us. All of that is as such, we are endowed as human beings with the capacity to create the world we want. I can imagine it born out of a desire. I can make the desire manifest itself and I can have what I've imagined. The problem is, and it is a problem, but it answers why it's yes, both. Problem is that before I am endowed with the ability to create, I am a creation. And creation has its own requirements. It has a reason for everything that it brings into creation. We must learn this very fine line between understanding I'm endowed to create my world. I've created this place. We go and I, 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 and you might as well go, I, yay, 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 yay. Oy, 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 oy. <laughs> Why? Because when I become identified with what I create and then the creation requires for it to be disassembled and made into something else and me along with it, I'm fighting tooth and nail. No, don't take that from me. It's not trying to take something from you. It's trying to show you another engagement, another relationship that exists between you and the creative force. Mm -hmm. So I am a creator and I am a creation. And there are things that must be first. That's what the real spiritual path is about. And that's why what's in the way is the way. Because everything that's revealed to me that I'm resisting it's just trying to show me where it is that I'm living a limited life, believing that who I am somehow depends upon whatever I've imagined would make me whole. So when, when we're, each of us is on our path, Guy, fear, a fearful situation or something that triggers us comes up, how, what's the best way to react? We don't, I, you're not suggesting, I know this, that you could just turn fear off. I'm sure you still experience fear. It comes up all the time. It's how we deal with it. So we have to identify it, we have to witness it, we have to witness ourselves witnessing it, and then we have to move forward without yes. fear. So how yes. do we, I mean, I think I explained what we need to do, but how do we yeah, do that? Yeah. Okay. So Easier said than done also, of course. Well, no, but in one respect, yes, and another, no. Oh, got it. Because at a certain point, like, let's say, Robert, you had a, a best friend, and your best friend, you have brought him into your house endless times. You trust this person implicitly. And then you start noticing, you know, where did that gold coin go I had on that desk of mine? Why, why is I'm missing one of my silver forks from my set? You start to notice that there's something not quite right in your house. And as you add it all up, you start to realize, well, maybe this friend of mine is taking something from me that I don't know he's doing. Then you find out that not only is your friend taking stuff, but he's doing stuff, ensuring that you get led into conditions that serve its his interest and not your own. He sells you downstream in a deal. This is real world stuff. Sure. How long do I remain friends with that person? I think you let them go. 
Well, you, well, first of all, you and I both know because we're codependent. You know, we've enabled each other. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I, what if I let it look, he's stealing with me, but if I let him go, what's going to happen to me? So all of those deals, this endless right, okay. negotiation, mm-hmm. not, all right. but at some point it's evident I got to cut him loose. Now, when I cut him loose and I finally say, this is it, does it mean my mind is going to get quiet? Am I suddenly liberated? Or in one respect, is my mind in more turbulence now than it was before? Because I've actually brought an end to something that I've been identified with. So we, we know there's all these voices. Now, let's call that friend, which it is to us, God help us, fear. I, require, I look at fear as a guide, as a power, as something that will protect me. Then one day I realize, sweet God, I have been led by my friend, that which I rely upon to free me, not into freedom, but servitude. As I recognize that, I can begin to participate in this exercise. I call it stop, drop, and endure. Stop, drop, and endure. Stop what? I know I can't look at my finances for the 38th time today. I know I've got to stop thinking about that person who betrayed me. I know it. Why? Because I've been doing it and I'm still afraid and angry. So I must bring an end to what I am aware of as having no end to it as long as I feed it. That's stop. One day, uh, and, and I'm not exaggerating, one day you might put duct tape over your mouth, you might bind your hands, you might do something dramatic so that you're aware of this compulsory addicted consciousness to protecting itself stop now we come to a stop nope nope don't call me don't don't ring me up don't invite me nope 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 but because i say stop does it stop no (laughs) no so now comes drop now i recognize wait a minute i've said no and i can't help but notice this thing doesn't care that i've said no it wants to keep bringing up pictures, negative projections, telling me all the stuff. And I'm sitting here but because now I'm in a position of silence. Relative to the movement of that consciousness, I have become still. Not, com- not still in the real sense, but somewhat still. I'm no longer participating in the circle. I'm standing, if you will, in the center of it, looking at all the things that have driven me along with it around and around and around, reincarnating itself. Drop. So here comes the thought. No, I recognize you. You're, you're part of that fear. I know you're telling me I'm going to lose something critical, but sweet God, at this point, I'd rather lose something critical than lose my life to something that promises me freedom but gives me nothing like that. Stop, drop. Now, can you get the last part, which is endure? What do you think? the <laughs> You get it. The endure means, and forgive me for this uh, analogy or this metaphor. Please. I, I must be the sacrifice. I must be the one who endures what Buddha did underneath the tree when Maya and all the demons and legions of promises came floating through. As Christ was tempted in the desert, if you'll just this or just that, I must be the one who understands that that is incessant in that consciousness and I must endure all of that, listen, to see the end of that. Because all of that is mechanical and will finally drop away when it is no longer fed 
by my resistance to its appearance. Stop, drop, and endure. Perfect way to close our discussion. Uh, absolutely great discussion. Um, let me ask you one last question, Guy. Who, now that you've gone through the many years and decades of doing your work and you're still continue as you continue to do, where do you get your learning now? And how would you categorize kind of what you stand for? What is the Guy Finley School of Spirituality, if you will? And how do you, who do you identify with, if any, or like, are you, a, uh, you know, a standalone type of philosopher? Who is Guy Finley now and where is he going? First, I would, I would, I would, again, would be a consummate liar if I said that I wasn't endlessly thirsty for the expansion of the field in which I now live. And everything that I teach is not a fabric of imagination or a reconstruction of some other teaching. It is a direct teaching. Because to use those words, and I'm somewhat reluctant to say to it, the purpose of our work, ultimately, what we would call enlightenment, is to literally break through into another world where everything that we need is given to us constantly. So that before I ask to understand something, I, it'll come up in me a wish. To, how, this morning, I spent two hours from 5 to 7 a.m. contemplating the material I want to present over the weekend as it's coming up. And as I did, it just flows. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I can't tell you why. I have no bloody idea why. I'm just so grateful for that. So that's all I represent, if I represent anything, is a, a kind of place where some water is being given to me. And because I, I was given that freely, I give it freely. That's all it amounts to. It's given freely because it's given to me freely and has been all of these years. Beautifully stated. Thank you, Guy. Um, the weekend event is called Weekend of Wisdom Talks in the Pines. Guy Finley, the 23rd to the 25th of June in Merlin, Oregon. Anything else you yes. want to mention about that? The title of it is Enter into the Never-Ending Flame of Self-Transformation. And I'm going to talk about this, this flame, this light that we are intended to be uh, consumed by instead of our life being one as a consumer constantly trying to satisfy ourselves. So that weekend is a fabulous weekend. There's three or four talks a constant conversation, dialogue, a lunch with this, everybody that attends. And you can find out about that, as Robert said, at guyfinley.org forward slash, I think it's, I don't know what the, I don't know what it is. It's <laughs> all right. But the, you know what? The, the other thing is, Guy, there's so much information. You give up, you give away so much free thinking uh, online. Uh, just, you do wonderful work and you're super generous. And my wife, uh, who I trust implicitly, she said she picks out guests for me sometimes. She'll say, you should talk to this person. And one of them that came up was Guy Finley. And I said, who is this guy? And she said, Guy Finley. He was on, you were on, I think, Regina Meredith could, could have been one of the few times you've been on there. And uh, I watched and I said, yep, he, he belongs on Guy's Guy's Radio. And he's a teacher that I can learn from and friend with. So thank you so much, Guy. It's a pleasure knowing you. And we'll meet in person at some point. But until then... God bless. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. And I appreciate our conversation and what it allows us to share with the world that we're in. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Guy Finley, Guys, Guys Radio.
Okay, that was an excellent conversation with Guy Finley about fear and fearless living. Once again, the name of his book that we discussed today, and again, he's got 46 books. This one's called The Essential Laws of Fearless Living, Find the Power to Never Feel Powerless Again. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you did also. So what did we learn about fear? I think we learned that fear perpetuates itself. The more power we give to fear, the more we give into fear, the more we allow fear to control our thoughts and our actions, the greater it becomes, the bigger an obstacle it is. It becomes this behemoth, and it's like a cloud covering so many people's lives on our planet Earth right now. And individually, we have to learn how to deal with it by witnessing it, knowing that it is not part of who we are. It is external. And when we start identifying it as such, instead of saying the fear is something that's real, it's not. It's in your head. And the more we can push it out and say, I understand the feeling I have. I understand I may feel afraid of something, but I'm not going to let that get in the way. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to identify it. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to go forward, and I'm not going to allow fear to control my thinking, control my heart, control my actions. There's so much more to it, folks, but I think uh, those are the basics that we can't allow fear to take over, and the first thing we need to do is stop, identify it, witness it, and work through it. Just keep going. Because if you give in to fear, it'll just keep growing and growing and growing, and that's not a good thing, and it's happening so much in our world today, and it's up to each and every one of us to get a handle on fear and live our lives the joyous way it was meant to be. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA Radio here in Southern California at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 106.5 FM. 10.50 a.m., the show rebroadcasts every Sunday on KCAA at 6 p.m. Sundays, and uh, they also do streaming. You can listen live. You can download our podcast. Guys Guys Radio uh, drops every Thursday worldwide. We're downloaded in over 100 countries. Same thing with the YouTube and the Rumble. They both post at some point every Thursday. And we're on UK Health Radio, the world's largest talk health network in the world. It's a digital radio station, and we're a a featured presenter there, and we're on four times every weekend. So you can watch the show, listen to the show, listen live, stream, download. You have no excuse not to be able to find Guys Guys Radio. And if you enjoy the guests and content I cover each and every week on Guys Guys Radio, I ask you one favor, please Get onto YouTube, subscribe to our channel. Just go to my name, Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I. It's under Guys Guys TV. Subscribe. If it's it's Apple, uh, follow, rate, review, wherever you consume your your content and wherever you consume and enjoy Guys Guys Radio, please support us. It doesn't cost anything. And you know we bring you so much information, so much content, so many great guests, and it's there for you to cherry pick This is what I feel I want to put into my life. This is something that works for me. And that's what I do. Each and every week, we bring you more and more guests. I've interviewed over 750 people. We've had 500 and I think, I don't know, we're approaching 570 shows. 
And we've got a lot more great guests throughout this summer and into the fall, and we keep growing and growing and growing. You can also catch me on my website, robertmanni.com. We've got over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness, all type, types of topics that we cover on Guys Guys Radio. And you can also download three free chapters of my novel, which is the source material for everything Guys Guy. It's called The Guys Guys Guide to Love. It's a fast-paced romp through the crazy, chaotic world of Madison Avenue advertising in New York and about two guys dealing with their friendship, um, their competition, love, sex, power, and money. It's a fast, frothy, fun, sexy read. It's been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. And once again, you can download three free chapters, and then you can buy the physical or digital copy wherever you pick up your books. Probably easiest to find it on Amazon, etc. So, Guys Guys Radio, we're here for you each and every week with new guests, new ideas, new thinking. I'm learning while you're learning. I love doing what I'm doing because so many people are responding positively to the positive messages that we put out there. We just want to help. We want to give you information that you can consider and weave into your life if it fits for you. If it doesn't, say, hey, that was cool. I learned something. Maybe it's not for me. That's cool. Do what you got to do. Live your life. Guys, Guys Radio, I'm going to see you next week. And until then, like I always love to say, guys, guys, finish first. It's Guys Guy Radio.